Good evening, everybody. Turn to the book of Jude, if you would. Right before Revelation. I've probably said this like 10 times this weekend, but it's been a massive joy to be with you. So for one more time, it's been a massive joy to be with you. A huge privilege. I thank the Lord and thank you for the opportunity to come. So book of Jude, um, I hope and I pray that this is kind of a summary for what we've talked about this weekend. Verse number 20, Jude and verse number 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we just want to uh, say that we need you. We want to say that we want you. Lord, we want to, well, it's simple. Um, It's something we could never do ourselves. But our prayer is very, very simple. You are infinitely perfect. You are infinitely loving. You are infinitely delightful. We want everything that you want for us. We want nothing that you don't want for us. And so we pray that you would guide us into it. Lord, I pray so joyfully on behalf of everybody here and and. I don't mean to be selfish, but most of all for me, I pray, Lord, I don't care um, if, if I understand it when it happens. Of course, I want to eventually understand everything biblically that I possibly can and rightly divide the word of truth. But Lord, I don't pray that you would bless the people of God limited based on our understanding. I pray that you would guide us into everything that you have for us. And then I just as earnestly pray that you would protect us from everything that you do not have for us. Lord, we trust you. There is no reason not to trust you. And so we come tonight to seek the Lord, seek his power, seek his presence continually. We come to seek Christ. We boldly say that we want to experience Christ. Just as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, And we put our trust in you. Lord, please just open the scriptures up to us and and work in our lives. Lead us on, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. So if if you want to jot down a title, just jot down how to keep growing. How to keep growing. And this is kind of a part two from this morning. We're going to look at this little phrase, praying in the spirit. But again, we're going to look at it in its context. And this particular context is so, it's so beautiful. We're just going to take the time tonight to look at three points. And so the points are are really simple from the text. Point one is that first phrase, but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Point two, praying in the Holy Spirit. Point three, keep yourselves in the love of God. And so that, that hasn't, isn't how I've titled it. But that's the breakdown that we're going to look at tonight. So point number one is always growing. How, how do we continue to keep growing in the Lord? Or you might put it this way. This really fits the context of what Jude is talking about. How do we continue to thrive in an increasingly hostile society? Those of you that know the book of Jude, right? He wants to write to them about this but he can't because of the pressing need. And so he writes to them about this. It ends up being a discussion of apostasy, um, apostates predicted. And then right after he, he talks about apostates, he immediately says, but you, beloved, building, or in the Greek, that is constantly building yourselves up on your most holy faith. 
So let's notice from the text, and I know this is very simple, but it's an essential point. Notice from that little phrase, who does that phrase put the onus on? Whose responsibility is it to build up according to the phrase? Each individual, right? This is good. If there's anything in your mindset that has excused yourself from the necessity to build yourself up on your most holy faith, to be constantly building yourself up on the most holy faith, boy, please rebuke that with the word of God tonight. Like just say, if there's anything in your mindset, like if you have ever thought, well, I'm not a spiritually gifted teacher. And so I don't know that I need to build myself up on my most holy faith the way that that brother so-and-so may need to build himself up because he is up there like once or twice a month feeding God's people. So like obviously he has to do that. That's his gift. Like that's the way he's built, right? This is so clear. But you beloved, right? Who are the beloved? The, The Christians, the saints. Yeah. And it's those that would stand well for Christ in an increasingly hostile society. Those that would walk intimately with Christ. How do you do that? I I love this. Constantly building yourselves up on your most holy faith. By the way, there's a little shout out in this verse that I love too. I've started to notice these patterns in the word of God, which are so, so delightful. In Colossians 2, we notice that we must be established or solid and we must be abounding. And here in this verse, you've got the most holy faith. And again, we, we made this point this morning from a different text and we'll make the same point here that the most holy faith is not your faith in God. It's not, I believe in God, like I have faith in God. It's the faith, right? The body of truth that was once for all delivered to the saints. That actually comes from this book, right? Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. And so he's saying, this is the faith, right? We have the beginning of the story. We have the end of the story. And to do well in an increasingly hostile society, you have to be constantly building yourselves up on this. So I I love that, right? Constantly building, constantly growing and solid, solid in, in the word of God. Has anybody ever heard of the couch to 5k program? Has anybody ever done that down here? Am I the only one? Yeah. Oh, some of you did it. Very good. <laughs> it's always me and the girls <laughs> that have done the couch potato to 5K. Anyways, a number of years ago, I, I, I kind of looked at myself and said, Scott, I'm not so happy with you. And, um, and I, I needed to lose a bunch of weight, and I, I just hadn't paid attention. I wasn't being a good steward. And, um, and so I did this couch potato to 5K program. And those of you that have done it, the first day is like pitifully small, right? I mean, it's like 15 second runs, right? And yet still first day, like if you're a genuine couch potato, the first day you're just breathing. You're like, I can't believe how, how awful this is. And so uh, you have these like eight 15 second runs followed by, a, you know, separated by a movie and a bag of popcorn. And, and anyways, um, um, I was like halfway through these, these runs and I pulled my left calf muscle. So, so bam, right? And now every coach I ever had said, you don't stop in the middle of a workout. And so I didn't stop. And so I'm limping along, finishing my workout and bam, I pulled my right calf muscle. Um, it was a Wednesday. And so it was prayer meeting day. And I remember like trying to walk into the chapel without using my calf muscles, 
you know, and I was just thinking like there was a time, right? It seems like another life, but there was a time where I was an athlete. Like, I mean, seriously, I know it's hard to believe, but, but, um, seriously. And I just could not believe that I could barely do the 15 second runs. Now in however many weeks, was it like 16 weeks or something like that? However many weeks it was at the end of that time, you're running a 5k like three, four or five times a week. Like for the sheer joy of it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm telling this story not because I just thought, hey, that'd be great if I could somehow fit that into the sermon. Um, but but there, we tend to underestimate the value of incremental discipline. That's so important that I want to repeat that. We tend to vastly underestimate the value of incremental discipline. Has Steve Price been down here recently? Okay, so Steve, in high school, his goal in high school was to be the number one long-distance runner in the state of Missouri and the number one academic in the state of Missouri. Um, Very driven, right? Very talented. Uh, Lynn and I went on like a four-day vacation with he and Janet years ago, and it was at the end of this couch potato to 5K. So I was an offensive lineman in high school, 230 pounds. I was a center and a nose guard. Steve was a long-distance runner in high school. We go out to the beach. We were at... um, that little island off North Carolina, I can't remember. But anyways, we were at, we went out to the beach, and I said, okay, I'm going to go for a run. And Steve said, I'll go with you, right? So you've got a long-distance runner and an offensive lineman. And we start to run, and pretty soon Steve is huffing and puffing, and, and, and I'm just smiling. Like, I'm like, this is great. And, and he had to stop, and, and, I, and, I, and I kept going. Like, this was a wonderful day in my life. And <laughs> next time you talk to Steve, you should remind him of this story. And um, anyways, but I'm again, I'm just trying to make the point. We tend to underestimate the value of incremental discipline. So I started at such a pitifully small level. And in just 16 weeks, I was able to to run a 5K as many times a week as I wanted to. Now, my point is, put that into the text. You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. William McDonald said, most Bible study methods fail because they're too aggressive. And so I, at the end of our weekend together, I want to, I want to desperately encourage you for incremental discipline, right? Uh, prayer muscles, I think, are a very real thing, right? I, I remember in high school being particularly burdened about praying. I don't remember why, but I went into my room. I got on my knees beside the bed. I prayed for every missionary I could think of. At one point, I started giving thanks for the food and then thought, oh, no. You know, and, but seriously, five minutes, and I was, and I was kind of like, um, that's all I can think of. You know, and, and I, in my experience, prayer muscles are kind of a real thing. And so I just want to encourage you in incremental discipline, show up for the date with Christ every day. And then here it's not prayer here. It's building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So the same thing, wherever you are, I would like to encourage you for the glory of Christ to go forward in incremental discipline. And there's a couple of very practical things. A godly man years ago He told me that as a habit in his life, he would take a doctrinal book and a missionary biography and he would put them on his Bible. So he would do his reading for the day, like four chapters a day gets you through the word of God every year. That's a wonderful incremental discipline, by the way. Really, I I hate to... I hate to say anything that sounds like legalism or a rule, but really, I would heartily encourage every Christian, four chapters a day, you get through the Word of God every year. I met a woman in Los Angeles years ago that had just finished the Word of God her 65th year. Isn't that awesome? 
right? It's just incremental discipline. You'll be amazed how much you learn if you just read the word of God incrementally. So you read your four chapters a day and then you've got a doctrinal book. And what I did is I alternated, right? So start with a tiny little doctrinal book, survey of doctrine by, by whoever, like there's a number of just little surveys of doctrine. And I want to point you toward your oversight for the books, right? Ask them if you've never read a doctrinal book, then go to them and say, where do I start? And they'll probably just point you to a general survey. And then again, don't try to read the whole thing in three days, right? Just do your Bible reading for the day and then read a chapter. A lot of these doctrinal books are broken up into small little chapters. So work your way through it. When you're done with that, go to a missionary biography. They are better than any movie I've ever watched in my, in my entire life. They're amazing. They're so utterly encouraging and i could give you a list of 50 or 100 and i'm sure your oversight could do the same thing right so i just want to point you toward them and so just look for ways to to do what he's saying um build yourself up on your most holy faith can i give you one more suggestion try to incorporate in your life um sipping the word of god surveying the word of god that's the four chapters a day that's a survey and studying the word of God. So try to go into every day sipping. If you have a particularly crazy day, like Dan got up at, I think he said 4.30 in the morning uh, a couple weeks back and, and packed the car and left for a long road trip with his family. Like he didn't spend four hours that morning trying to exposit Ezekiel. Is that accurate? Right. And so, but my encouragement is just try to sip, right? The Proverbs are great for this. The Psalms are great for this. Just do your best to sip, at least sip the word of God each morning. And then as a habit of life, you sip, you survey, and you study. If you do not know how to study the word of God, ah, right? Man, don't, don't be so, don't be shy enough that you'd stay in that place. Go to the oversight and say, I just want to know how to study the word of God. My wife went over and spent a glorious afternoon with a widow in our assembly um, who, who admitted, she said, I don't know how to study the word of God. She got saved later in life. She said, I don't know how to study the word of God the way I want to. And they had a wonderful afternoon learning to, to study the word of God. And Lynn just walked her through like it's simple, but, but just, just don't stay there. So sip, survey, study. Okay, enough about that. So Jude's testimony is that for a Christian to do well, they need to be always growing. Point number two. And each one of these points, by the way, get better. Uh, I mean, in my humble opinion. Um, point number two, always praying. Always praying. And he says this, praying in the Holy Spirit. So always growing in the Greek, that is present active. The onus is on us. Praying in the Holy Spirit in the Greek, that is present middle. Now, again, from the context, like William MacDonald, even in his one-volume commentary, he makes the exact same point, as do many others. But, but from the context, and then comparing Scripture with Scripture, you come up with this clear thought that to pray in the Holy Spirit is to pray as directed by the Holy Spirit, as empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he tells you what to pray about, when to pray, when to stop praying. It is an utterly delightful process to learn in Christ's school of prayer. In fact, I've never discovered anything more joyful in all my life than, than sitting with Christ in his school of prayer, one-on-one -on -one, or maybe two-on-one -on -one sometimes, and letting him teach what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit. My wife... Um, was asleep in the middle of the night. I was very, very sick. Um, 
I think, based on what the doctors said, that I had cerebral malaria. <coughs> I was in Kenya. It was years ago. And I was going down. Like, I was getting worse and worse and worse. And I'll leave out some of the glorious details of the sickness. But um, I was in a hospital bed in Kenya. I was getting worse. Mike Atwood was reading scripture over me. And um, the Lord woke my wife up in the middle of the night in Topeka, Kansas. And I remember on the way to the hospital, or actually before we left for the hospital, I remember saying to the guys, we should call my wife. And, and their response was, let's wait till we know something, and then, we'll, and then we'll call her, right? Instead of just worrying her. And I didn't even have the energy at that point to even respond to them. So off we went to, to the hospital. Here I am laying there just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And the Lord wakes up my wife in the middle of the night. And she knows in the presence of God, she knows in the middle of the night in Topeka, Kansas, my husband's in danger. I must get up and I must pray. How do you explain that? There's nothing weird about it. It fits perfectly with biblical doctrine, right? Inside of every believer dwells the third member of the Godhead, right? The Holy Spirit. Is he capable of of communicating? Sure he is, right? And so he shared with my wife that your husband's in physical peril. You must pray. And, and you should ask me sometime if I'm glad I married a godly woman. She gets up and she kneels beside the bed. I, I've no, I don't remember if she even remembers how long she prayed. It was a good while. I'm lying in a hospital bed in Kenya. I felt the presence of God. This was the first time in my life I'd ever really experienced something like this. I felt the presence of God just come near to me in a unique way. Like I was in physical agony and I felt the presence of God come near. I felt the Lord touch me. And then, and then within, within not long at all after that, like I was, I immediately started getting better. They discharged me. I went back to rest and recover in the missionary's home on her knees, um, in our bedroom in Topeka, Kansas, the Lord's, the Lord showed my wife that her prayers were answered and that she could stop praying and go back to bed. Right. Simple. Praying, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying as directed by the Holy Spirit. It is so glorious. So the biblical concept is this, that, that prayer in this context, prayer originates in the mind of God. It descends to earth through the Holy Spirit. It is suggested to a willing, yielded follower of God by the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of that Christian. It is prayed back to God via our two intercessors, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so proper biblical praying originates in the mind of God and then, and then comes down through a Christian and goes back to the mind of God. And so, so if you pray anything in my will, right? If you pray anything in my name, um, it, uh, this, this unlocks the beauty of so many passages of prayer in Scripture. Um, it is an utter, utter delight to do this, um, and to learn like, like every friend that I have, um, and I would say the same thing that, that we're on probably day 45 of kindergarten. Um, but it is such a joy not to be on day one of kindergarten, right? The things that he's taught us and the lessons that, that we've learned and the growing just little by little growing in sensitivity to when does the Lord want you to pray? How does he want you to pray? Travail, um, man, when the Lord says, okay, you're going to fight a battle, tonight in prayer and the victories are won in prayer yeah i'll give you one more example um i went to a camp well turkey hill ranch bible camp and um on sunday uh, a friend of mine was up speaking on sunday night 
And he did a fabulous job. Um, I'm not talking about homiletics or preaching or any of that. Like he did a fabulous job. I sat in the back listening the whole time. I was in the very back and I'm looking at the back of, of at least a hundred, right? Young adults heads. And I'm listening to him and I'm sitting there just thinking something's hindering, right? And it was so clear something's hindering. And so, and so when I got a chance, I kind of saddled up next to him when I had this quiet moment and I said, how'd you feel like it went? And, and he said the same thing. He said, well, I said what God gave me to say, but I could tell that something's hindering. And I, I delighted when I heard he heard him say that. And I smiled. I said, you want to pray? And he said, yes. And as soon as, by the way, I love this guy. And to me, like finding somebody that delights in the presence of God is like finding a bar of gold. In fact, it's, it's infinitely more value than, than finding a bar of gold. This guy lives in the presence of God um, every day. Like he lives in the presence of God. So we hid away in his office. Um, we closed the blinds and shut off the lights and, and everything. And we said, okay, Lord, please. Like we're just little kids with empty hands, right? We don't know what we're doing. Uh, there's a mystery to prayer. Like William McDonald said, I would rather pray than seek to solve all the mysteries of prayer. Um, there will always be a mystery to, to prayer, but we believe it, right? The, the scripture says, ask and you will receive. We believe it. We believe God has ordained it. We believe he honors it and uses it. And so we want to pray. So we say, okay, Lord, we're just little boys, but please cause us to pray in the Holy Spirit Cause us to pray tonight as long as you want. We want to pray as long as you want, but we don't want any religious flesh in this. Like we're not going to pretend like eight hours of earnest religious flesh will win the victory at, at camp, right? We need you to guide us. So show us, show us when to stop. And we just started praying back and forth and back and forth. And, and it was so delightful. A couple times during the night, we said, Lord, do you want us to keep going? And one of those times I, I said, Lord, it was the wee hours of the morning. I said, Lord, do you want us to keep going? And we just kept praying, Lord, give us the victory. Discipleship camp 2017, right? And then we'd pray about something else. And we'd say, Lord, give us the victory. Discipleship camp 2017. We'd pray about something else. And so at one point in the wee hours of the morning, I said, Lord, do you want us to keep going? And um, this is exactly what happened. I paused. Micah said, Lord, you've just given me a person that you want me to pray for. And the Spirit of God said to me, Bridges. Um, that's my third cousin, right? David Bridges. And um, so the Spirit of God says to me in prayer, Bridges. And Micah says out loud, David Bridges. And I actually laughed. Um, I, I laughed and I said, ha, I said, that's the one. <laughs> and we just kept on, right? And that's praying in the Spirit. Again, it's not, it's not mysticism. It's not mystical. The third member of the Godhead lives inside of every Christian. He is infinitely capable of communicating. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 13, Acts 16, Acts 20, Acts 22. You can go on into the epistles, right? Those that are sons of God are led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8. Um, this is perfectly, utterly biblical. It's foreign to many Christians' experience. And so, and so the, it sounds new, right? And people sometimes don't know what to do with it. But, but, oh, it's delightful to learn, right? And th this is where all these guys that I hear talking, saying things like, it's amazing. If you really want to be involved in spiritual work, how you must be a man of prayer. Anyways, long story short, we prayed until the Lord that night 
He said, done. He gave us a victory. Stand, or sorry, he gave us a verse. Stand still and see the victory of the Lord um, and, and assured us you will have the victory, Discipleship Camp 2017. And immediately we went, we said, praise God. We closed in prayer and we went off to bed as, as quick as we could. Like I'm chronically ill. It doesn't make sense for me to stay up all night on night one of, of a week of camp. So Micah gets home the next morning. Uh, his wife says, I couldn't sleep last night. And so I was up praying. He said, what'd you pray for? She said, I just couldn't stop praying for victory at discipleship 2017. And it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful to learn, to pray as guided, as empowered, as directed by the spirit of God. Um, is there a mystery to it? Sure there is, right? It is a joy. It is an utter delight. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is the prerequisite to effectual praying. Pray, excuse me, praying. The Spirit, when yielded to, leads us in our petitions and generates within us the faith necessary to acceptable and answered prayer. I know I read that this morning, but I just find that so essential in the understanding of this, of this process. So, always praying. Point number three. This is my favorite one. Uh, I'm so happy to end with this point for the weekend. Point number three in the outline is always enjoying. Always enjoying. The way he says it, keep yourselves in the love of God. Yeah, amen. Uh, The word keep here, it's a fun little study if you want to dig into this more. Um, In verse number one, right at the end of verse number one, it says preserved in Jesus Christ. That's the same Greek word. For those of you that like to mine out the juicy little morsels, right? That's the same Greek word. In, in verse number six, the angels who did not keep their proper domain. Our verse, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. And then verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's a fun little study if you want to take the time to do it. Now, this is so beautiful. This is so essential. What does the word keep mean? This is how I very much, in the presence of the living God, this is how I want to end the weekend. Everything we've talked about all weekend long. What does the word keep mean? This is the charge. This is the biblical charge for all of you, for Boulevard Bible Chapel. It means this, to um, guard, to attend to carefully. To guard or to attend to carefully. Now plug that into the verse. Guard the place where God loves you. Attend to carefully the place where God loves you. This is where I failed. I hope that this is 100% perfectly clear with God's help. This is where I failed. When I was 15, I I repented of worldliness and hypocrisy and, and, and other sins too. And I set my face like a flint to serve the living God. And it was not a waste. Praise God. I would never say that it was, that it was a waste. But what I utterly failed in is this admonition. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Don't leave the place where I love you. Do you remember where else the Lord says this exact same concept? It's in the upper room ministry, right? The Lord Jesus says, I'm going to go away. You all can't follow me. He's talking to his most intimate followers, those that would become apostles, right? I'm going away. You can't follow me. He's giving them final preparations and final lessons. And then he says, the father, as the father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, right? He looks at his most intimate followers and he, and he says, don't leave the place where I love you. This is so essential, right? 
right? He's totally wrecking their world. They had left all to follow Christ. Now he's going away. Thomas says, Lord, how are we supposed to know the way? He says, I am the way, right? Stay close to me. That's the way to successfully go forward. Even in my absence, stay close to me. I will not leave you orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And then he says, as the fathers love me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Stay in the place where I love you. Oh, this is so beautiful, guys. This is life. You can read your Bible every day and not be staying in the place where God loves you. Do you recognize the difference? I mean, you can check off your Bible reading every day. I don't know how many of us do that or how many of us don't do that, but you can do that every day, but not be abiding in the love of God. Amen. You can pray every day and not be remaining in the place where God loved you. I did this for probably 38 years. You can zealously serve God. And I did that from 15 years old to 30, however many years old. You can zealously serve God, but not be remaining in his love. His love is so beautiful. This is what we're trying to communicate, right? This is what we're trying to communicate. You must guard the place where Christ loves you. And I, I would be radical about it. And again, I'm, I, I'm encouraging incremental discipline. But also, um, I would, as a mental exercise before the Lord, I would get a piece of paper that represents your life. And I would have it completely blank. And then hit the reset button on your life. Put on the top of your paper, Jesus Christ is Lord. And then underneath that, put that he might in all things have the preeminence. And then right at the top of the paper, say, keep yourself in the love of God. It's such a practical um, expression of the preeminence of Christ. As a habit of life, I did not do this. And I know that my judgment seat of Christ will reflect that someday. I'm saying this in sorrow. I know that my judgment seat of Christ will reflect that someday. I remember the Lord drawing me to, to my Bible in high school and I would go watch football or I'd go for a run or I'd go hang out with friends. I remember the Lord drawing me to prayer at different points, right? I've always been a, a worker, a, you know, activity. In high school, I, I, I did a sport in every season. There were some seasons that I would do two sports. Like I liked being busy, right? It's the way I'm built. Keeping myself in the love of God, man, it's only been the last number of years. And, and it wasn't because I finally got to some, I discovered these scriptures. It was because the Lord allowed a sickness in my life. He made me sit down. He made me learn the greatest blessing that I've ever received in my entire life. It's the living out of what happened to me when I was five years old and I accepted Christ as Savior. At that point, I was reconciled to God. But for so many years, I wasn't living in the good of it in this sense. The love of God is amazing. It's amazing. It's so practical, right? I love to go on dates with my wife. That's where I love her. That's where she loves me. Like that's where we communicate. Anybody that's been married very long at all knows that with the craziness of life, you do well to, to connect once a week, don't you? I mean, like with the craziness of life, like couples have to really work at connecting once a week with, with how busy life gets. And you get in God's presence. I was laying, I was laying unable to sleep uh, in my bed one night and I was just laying there just worshiping the Lord. And, and then he started to love me. He started to be so kind to me. The things that he was communicating to me in that quiet place, he was so gracious. He was so kind. He was so loving. You know what I did? I couldn't even accept it. 
This is actually what I wrestle with these days is accepting the love of God. To be quite frank, I feel like such a loser in the presence of a God like him. I, I have the hardest time. It's, it's unbelief. It's a form of unbelief, right? But I wrestle with this. So he starts loving me in that quiet place. It's who he is. God is love. He starts loving me and I actually drop my hands to my side and I drop my head like this. And for a minute, two minutes, something like that, I just sat there unable to accept how overwhelmingly loving he was being. I was down in Spanish Wells in January. I thank God for the activity the Lord allows in, in my life. Like he allows me to do things like this. I thank God for that. Just to be open with you, these things are quite hard on me. And so my body ends up hurting. Um, there's a mental anguish. Like if I'm tired enough, my brain hurts. And the pain in my head is actually worse than the pain in my body. And so I was up in Spanish Wells. There were some weeks I was speaking six times during the week, some four um, meeting with people like once a day. Um, anyways, I was up one night and it was in such pain that I couldn't sleep. I was sitting there in a recliner and I was actually in such pain that I was like grabbing my hair and pulling it. And I was kind of writhing around a little bit and I just couldn't sit still. And I was just going, you know, and then the Lord says to me in that quiet place, Scott, I'm right here with you. And I said, I know. Right. And then he says again, Scott, I'm right here with you. And I said, I know. Right. And then he says again, Scott, I'm right here with you. And I said, I know. Um, and he says again, Scott, I'm, I'm right here with you. And I said, I know. Um, he said, Scott, I'm right here with you. Um, and I said, I know. And um, and then finally he paused. And then he said, he said, he said, Scott, I'll say it as many times as you want me to. And and I said to him, I said, what kind of a friend are you? What kind of a friend are you? You're so kind. You're so gracious. You're so loving. Like you, we, we must, we must leave this weekend with a firm determination to guard the place in your life where you sit in the sunshine of God's love. You, you keep yourself in the love of God. You attend to carefully the place where God loves you. That's where I failed, right? He, he never stopped loving me all those years. Amen? Amen? Yeah, but I failed to keep myself in the love of God. Now, this is an incredibly important theological point. I know it's simple, but this is incredibly important. Does this phrase mean that you have to live your Christian life in such a way that you will make God love you or you will keep God loving you. Is that what this means? No, no. Again, William McDonald, as is very frequently the case, his illustration is so beautiful. Um, he describes it as the sunshine. What, what it is, is the sun is always shining. Even at night, the sun is shining, right? We just happen to be on the side of the earth that's facing away from it. So the sun is always shining. And really the admonition is God is always casting his love down upon his people. And we need to guard and attend to carefully the place where we sit in the sunshine of his love. Does that make sense? It's been such a delight to discover these passages. Like a year ago, I stood in front of my own assembly at Topeka Gospel Chapel. And I said, I said, you, you have to keep yourself like sit in the sunshine of God's love. And then I kind of went, ah, right, because because I thought I'd never read that in my Bible. Right. But I don't know how else to say it. 
you know, and then eventually I read John 15. As the Father um, loves me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And I went, yes, that's that's what I mean right there, right? And then I studied this to, to speak at Believer's, Believer's Bible Conference. And I read that, and then I studied it in its context, and I understood it. And I'm like, yes, that's that's what I mean right there. Keep yourself in the love of God. So you just have to make that that dedicated, disciplined choice every day. This is the way forward. Right. I say it very simply. Show up for the date. Show up for the date. Like once upon a time, you approached you. Right. I don't know how this this went down, but you said, I would like to spend time with you. Right. This happened, I assume. Right. It was not an arranged marriage. Okay, and and so at that point, you made a choice. You're either going to say yes and make yourself available to know and to be known or you're going to say no. Right. You're too tall. Right. Um, and I, I'm, and, and you would say, I'm not going to put myself in a, in a physical location where I can get to know you and you can get to know me. It, the, the encouragement to end the weekend with, it's so simple. Show up for the date. Jesus Christ is the most amazing person anybody in this room will ever meet. He is wonderful and he wants to have a date with you every day. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in, right? The scripture so clearly says this. That's his character. That's what he wants. And, and what, what it took me so long to learn is, is this simple principle. Guard the place where I love you. Attend to carefully the place where I love you. Um, by the way, there's a side benefit of all of this that is so beautiful. When you are filled up with the love of Christ, one incredible side benefit of that is you end up overflowing with the love of God. Do you want to be part of a loving assembly? Yeah, I know you do, right? Everybody does. Um, in the Thessalonians, right? I, I pray that your love would abound more and more, right? This is the practical way that that, that happens. Um, yeah, and it, it's wonderful. It's it's beautiful. There's a lady in our assembly back home. She sat at our dining room table, and she said, can I tell a story? And we said, yeah, please. Um she said, I fell in love with my high school sweetheart and I married him and, and three kids and 20 years into that marriage, he fell in love with someone else and, and he left me. He broke my heart. And uh, she gets this little tear, just one little tear. And um, she said, five years later, I met someone else and it felt so right. And, and she said, I didn't know exactly what happened to the first marriage, but, but this felt right. And so I married him. Uh, five years into that marriage, um, he fell in love with someone else and he left me. And another little tear. And um, so she said, I went into an alternative lifestyle, looking for love. Um, and she was just searching for love, searching for love. She was sitting with her current partner, and um, and and she looked at her. She had a Bible. She looked at her current partner, and she said, if I read this and discovered that this was true, what would you think of that? And and the answer was just a vitriolic response, right? It, just hatred um, toward toward the, the, the revelation of God. And she wasn't a believer at the time, but she thought, I, I think that that answer is wrong. And, and she ended up leaving that relationship. Long story short, um, she, she drove back up to Kansas um, through wonderful, beautiful circumstances. She was led to Christ. So she tells us this whole story. And she's sitting there just with these quiet little tears on her face. And then she says this one little phrase. She says, I finally met a man who loves me. <laughs> And, and she has the most beautiful, simple, 
faith and relationship with Christ. You know, um, she said she said to my wife one day, she said, um, I find sometimes that I worry. And when I worry, I go into my bedroom and I lay down on my bed and I give all my worries to the Lord. And then after that, I find that it's okay. Right? <laughs> it's just a beautiful, simple faith in the living out of, of the scriptures. So, so I'm so glad to end the weekend this way. Um, how do we, how do we thrive in the midst of an increasingly hostile society? We have to always be growing, building ourselves up on our most holy faith. We have to always be praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then we have to always be enjoying, keep yourselves, guard the place where I love you, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say, um, well, Lord, I'm sorry. I still have a tendency to run into your presence and just start talking. You're an amazing, good God. You've answered many prayers this weekend. We want to bow and say thank you. We come to you in the name of Jesus Christ tonight, and we bow in your presence and We pray that the Spirit of God and the leadership of Jesus Christ would be so tangible in this assembly moving forward. Lord, they'll need need their eyes to be opened. So many different ones in so many different ways will need their eyes to be opened. What is it that has to go from a life so that they can guard the place where God loves them? Lord, most people here, most good Americans, they spend 110% of their money and 110% of their time. We tend to be so busy. Lord, what has to change so that these simple things can be a reality in our life, that that there's incremental discipline to always be growing, always be building ourselves up in our most holy faith so that we can learn. Lord, it takes time. Praying in the Spirit, by definition, isn't running into your presence and going through our list of three things and then running off to our day. It's praying in a way that's directed and empowered by the member of the Godhead that lives inside of us. That implies time. Lord, what has to change so that this can be an increasingly joyful reality in the lives of the Christians here? Lord, the one I care the most about is this last one. Guard the place where I love you. Attend to carefully the place where I love you. Lord, would you show each one what that looks like in their life? Would you show each each saint, wherever they are in life, whatever the circumstances are of their life right now, the craziness of it, the unique blessings of it, whatever it is, Lord, would you please show them what that looks like in their life so that every single one of us, Lord, that's not too big of a prayer for you. That's our desire that every single one of our lives would reflect what is clearly laid out in this, in this passage. Lord Jesus, I just, I I don't have to ask for forgiveness again. I know that. Um, And I don't mean it in that way, but I just want to say like adult son in your family to the savior that I love, the greatest friend I've ever enjoyed in all my life. Lord, I just want to say that I'm sorry for being so stupid for so many decades. Oh, Lord, what would my marriage be like if I had treated my wife like I treated you? Oh, Lord, you're so amazing. I remember as a 15-year-old being ashamed of your name in my public high school, ashamed of the Savior who died on the cross for my sins. And I remember the sorrow of that when I realized it and begging for forgiveness and then the joy of, of forgiveness and restoration and pressing on for God. 
Lord, I look at this and I, I see something similar. I just see this beautiful Savior that wants to have a love relationship that will fill me up. Wants to have a love relationship that will teach me and satisfy me and, and protect me. Lord, I was so dumb running around serving you, but not taking the time to keep myself in the love of God. Lord, there were times in my Christian life where I read my Bible every day. There were times that I did not do that. But there was very, very little. I, I hardly even remember, Lord. Actually, I, I actually thought in my head, forgive me, Lord, but I remember, I actually thought in my head that you had to kind of wait for eternity to enjoy that kind of tangible friendship with God. Lord, this offer is unbelievable. It is life indeed. This is eternal life that they may know you. It's the reason why Jesus Christ died on the cross, so that we could be reconciled to God. And then this is the living in the good of that reconciliation. A church that's full of Christ is an unstoppable force. And so I come to you tonight on behalf of Boulevard Bible Chapel, and I pray that you would work in individual lives and also corporately in such a way that this church, this local church, would be so full of Christ that they would be an unstoppable force. Everything that Paul looks at in Philippians 3, we pray that that would be the case, that they would experientially know Christ because they're doing this. They're keeping themselves in the place where he loves them. That they would experience the power of, of the resurrection in their life. Power for intimacy, like Paul prayed for in Ephesians 3. Power for holiness, like we're admonished in 1 Peter. Power for service. Lord, we don't want to get to the end of our lives. It would be abject, total failure to get to the end of our lives and, and have it be possibly explained by what we could pull off in our own strength. Lord, there are plenty of people in America that build clubs. They successfully build social clubs lord we want to live lives that are supernatural lives where at the end of our lives the only possible explanation is is that man walked with god even unbelievers lord we pray that even unbelievers would look at this local church and say god is there lord we pray um please just apply these things it's going to look different in every life Lord Jesus, your, your, your desire for the people of God here is perfect. We come in the last thing for the weekend. We just want to submit to that, to your guiding hand, to your teaching hand, to your rebuking hand. Lord, there are idols among the group that need to be torn down and thrown away and smashed in order for these things to be true. There are compromised lives that need to be repented of. There are footholds, strongholds. There's certainly moral sin, but then there's also social sin. Lord, there are some kinds of sin that we look at and say, ooh. And there are other sins that we participate in without even blinking. Lack of forgiveness, maybe. Lord, would you please just have your way in this group and, and make these things a tangible reality. Lord, I see you doing this in every corner of North America. It's the first fruits of the next great work of God. I have never been more excited to follow after you in all my life. Lord, I commit this group to you. I commit this weekend to you. We love you. Yeah, how appropriate just to end our weekend that way. Lord Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. My rock and my fortress, my surety divine. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're beautiful. Someday we'll bow face to face. Someday we'll kiss your hand. Lord, through the eye of faith tonight, 
What a joy to bow in the presence of our Savior. We love you. In your worthy name, amen.